the book of Joshua, and we're going to be in verse uh, in chapter number twenty-three, Joshua chapter twenty-three. We're going to be looking at verses six through eight uh, this morning. If you had to put a title on this morning's message, it will be the three C's of concern. The three C's of concern. We understand when we come to chapter 23 and chapter 24 that Joshua is on his way out. He knows that uh, his time of departure is at hand. Now he's reflecting. He, he, he's uh, reminding uh, the people. He's called two meetings now. He calls a, a meeting of the, uh, of the leaders. And then he also calls... Uh, a meeting to the rest of the nation of Israel. And so he knows that he's fixing to go out. Now we find Joshua uh, is gotten older, but he's like Paul. He's recognized the fact that he's fought a good fight and he's about ready to finish his course. And so with that in mind, he starts going and reflecting. But notice in that's what we're going to camp out on this morning, that uh, his parting words or his last words that he's giving are words of concern. Joshua is concerned about what's going to happen after he leaves. Joshua is concerned that the work of the Lord will continue to progress they have now come and they've, uh, they're in the promised land. They've, uh, they've won many victories. But there's also more victories to be won. They also understand that they are those uh, that are, are still enemies of them. So even though they've made uh, uh, great strives under the leadership of Joshua, Joshua has seen God do wonderful, marvelous miracles in their midst. He's concerned that the work will continue to go on. But also he's concerned about the new generation that's coming in behind him. He recognizes the fact that many of those who have seen the mighty miracles of the Lord and seen the mighty victories won on their behalf, they're starting to die off. And there's a generation now that has not ever uh, witnessed that. They, they don't know about those. They just hear about them. I believe that's exactly where we're at in the church today. We're at a point to where those of us who've gotten older, we know that our departure is at hand. But also we recognize the fact that he could come at any moment. I hope you understand today that we could go up right now. Uh, and, and so we ought to have these same concerns, should we not? We have a generation, these uh, seniors, and uh, we uh, want them to know that uh, we're so proud of the accomplishments that you made. And we'll continue to pray for you and continue to encourage you. And we thank you for uh, sticking with it. But we know that they're going to be going into some uncharted territories. They're going to be sitting under atheist professors. They're going to be sitting in those that are, could very well be socialist. I'm telling you, you just mark my word, 
that we are seeing an increase in that type of education that's being offered to our young people. And so even more so, and I challenge you this morning, seniors, that you need to stick to the stuff. You need to continue serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need to back up from that. You don't need to be politically correct. You need to be able to stand upon the Word of God and you need to be able to say, Thus saith the Lord and not apologize for it. And this church would encourage you. This church will support you. You can count on us. We're going to watch your backs. But we're in a mess. But church, we're in a mess as well. Joshua is concerned. I hope that you have a concern about what we're fixing to go into. Three things that we're going to see this morning. Three concerns that Joshua have that I have and I hope many of you have as well. Joshua chapter 23 starting verse number 6. It says, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Now he's telling them all that you need to do. Notice he says, keep it all. Not just some of it. Keep it all. All the book of the law of Moses. And he says, that ye turn not aside therefore uh, to the right hand or to the left. In other words, in verse number 6... Joshua had a concern about complacency. Complacency, indifference, apathy. Church, we're seeing that right now. And I'm not just talking about uh, the universal church. I'm talking about Hillcrest. This morning, we're just going to get down where we live. We're going to get down to where this is about us. Now, we're concerned about other, we're concerned about the kingdom. I'm not discounting that. But folks, God has placed us here and God is wanting us to do what we need to be doing for Him. Everything else will take care of itself. I have a concern that we are, if we're not there, we are well on our way to having an attitude of complacency. Look at verse number 7. He goes and says, there, uh, that ye come not among the, 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 these nations. Remember, there's, there's still some that are serving false gods still there in the promised land. So he's warning them. Now he moves in and he's talking about compromise. Joshua was concerned that they would compromise. And so he's giving them a warning here in verse number 7. And church, we should take heed to this warning to us as well. We need to be very careful that we do not compromise the Word of God. And so he says that you come now among the nations, uh, these that remain among you, neither uh, make mention of the name of their gods. He's even telling them, don't even mention their false gods. This morning I saw on the news Dr. Robert Jeffers. He is the pastor of First Baptist Dallas. Apparently, he made a statement that Jesus Christ is the only way unto salvation. Which, by the way, is a true statement. Now, he was not apologizing for making that statement, but there was some that called him a bigot. 
just because he said that Jesus is the only way. Now, Mr. Romney, you remember him, who is a practicing Mormon. He's the one that called Dr. Robert out on that. I'm glad that we have men of God that will not back up from the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way. He's not a way. He's the only way. And this church will continue to stand on that fact. We'll do it with the right attitude. We'll do it with the sweet spirit. But I'm not backing up from it. And anyone that sits in this, uh, stands in this pulpit, we're not going to back up on it. We're not going to back up it in our Sunday school classes. We're not going to back up on it when we go to Honduras. We're not going to back up it when we go over to Upton Heights or Inman Court. We're not going to back up. Jesus Christ is the only way unto salvation, period. We don't need a compromise. But we're seeing now more and more churches are compromising. I'm not going to name him, but there was one very prominent in the Houston, Texas area. I'm giving you all kinds of hints here. Has a very large congregation. He was asked that very question, and he did not give a definite answer. He had an opportunity to say that Jesus Christ is the only way into salvation, and he did not do that. He compromised. Thousands go to his church on a weekly basis. So he says, don't even mention the name of their gods, nor come uh, to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourself unto them. Look at verse number 8. And now we come to the last sea, and that's the sea of commitment. Listen to what Joshua says. He says, but cleave, stick to, don't have any separation from, but cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day. Very quickly this morning, I know we have a vacation Bible school meeting, but I really believe God's laid this on my heart. I want to preach it with the right attitude. I'm not wanting to beat you up, and I want to fuss at you, but I'm just letting you know I have some concerns. I have some concerns about our church. First of all, I have a concern that we, or if we're not there, are right on the edge of being complacent and indifferent. Verse number 6 points that out. We're reminded, are we not, of the church at Laodicea. That's in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. We see that the Lord writes this letter to this church, and He says to them that you're neither hot nor you're cold, but you become lukewarm. Now, the church at Laodicea understood about lukewarm water. Uh, Understand that they had to pipe in their cold water from the mountains uh, around Colossae. 
uh, they would pipe that cold water in to uh, Laodicea, but by the time it would get to Laodicea, it would become a little warm, a little lukewarm. Also, they would pump in their hot water. Uh, they would pump that in, uh, but by the time that hot water would get there, it became a little cool. And so uh, together, it became lukewarm. We need to understand this morning that we have reached a point of indifference and complacency when, when someone comes into these, uh, this building that they're not able to receive a refreshing word. They're not receiving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. They come in with issues. They come in with all sorts of problems. They come in with uh, some many uh, are coming in with very open sin. But they ought to be able to come into the house of the Lord and they ought to be uh, refreshed. They ought to have a touch from the Lord Jesus that, will, that would uh, help restore them and, and will help encourage them in their time of need. But we also need to understand that we've become complacent when there no longer is a passion. There's no hotness to the preaching. There's no hotness into the teaching. We're, we're, we're not passionate about lost souls anymore. We're, we're worried more about our comforts. We're worried about the, that, oh, what is it for me? And, and so here we see the church at Laodicea. I'm afraid to say that we could very well be that if we are not there already, we are heading that way that we become lukewarm. Jesus said this about their lukewarmness. He says, it makes me gag and vomit. I don't know about you, but I'm concerned that we go indifferent. Uh, it's been said that uh, uh, hatred is not the worst thing that you can do to a man. Indifference is the worst thing you can do to a man. Well, you just don't give a flip about them. You don't care if they die and go to hell. Well, they can hear the gospel. They can come to a church. There's a church on every corner. When you have an attitude like that, you become indifferent and you become complacent. But we also see that complacency just didn't happen overnight. Now, I'm not endorsing this, but if uh, you were to boil a frog. This is how you'll do it. You don't get a big pot of water, get it to where it's boiling hot and throw that sucker in there because he's going to jump right back out. Here's how you boil a frog. You put them in the cold water and you gradually turn the heat up. And if you gradually turn the heat up, he does not notice it until it's too late. That's complacency. Could it be that we have come to that? We're like that frog. We've been in the cool water and we're not even realizing that we are stunning our own spiritual growth. Indifference will cause you not to grow in the Lord. Indifference to a church uh, will not grow. Because when we become indifferent and when we become complacent, then we just don't have a burden for folks like we used to. 
Now let's just go ahead and cut it. There's no jokes here. There's no uh, visual aids. We're just going to get down to the point. Here again, I'm, I, I, I am preaching this morning not out of uh, that I'm going to just rip into you and I'm going to nail your hide to the wall. I'm preaching to you because I'm burdened that we could very well be in a state of complacency. We become satisfied. The church at Laodicea, they were satisfied. And when a church becomes satisfied, then they become complacent. We, could, we still have, we go through, we have organization, we got all that, we go through the motions, no problem with there. But where is our passion? Where is our burden? Where, where, where are we uh, where we're coming down to the altars? And by the way, we've not come to the altars like we uh, need to be coming for quite some time now where we're, I mean, we're broken over the lostness of Lebanon, Tennessee. We're broken over family members that if they were to die the day, they're going to bust hell wide open. Where, where is our burden for those that are living across the street, that are living in other parts of the city where no one else wants to go, especially after night? Where's our burden for them? They need Jesus Christ just like you needed Jesus Christ. And we've lost sight of that. Why? Because we become satisfied. Amen. We're satisfied. When you become satisfied, you become indifferent. Seniors, when you become satisfied in your pursuit of your academics, that's when you're going to start messing up. You say, well, you know what? I heard that old saying. You know what they call Someone that's graduated from nursing school that has a C average, a nurse. They're a nurse just as much as the one that's made an A and a B. That's not the question. The question is, I want to give it my best. I want, I want to do all I can do to reach my academic skills. And that is a worthwhile goal. But my dear friend, we need to be that way in our spiritual walk as well. We don't need to be so, oh, you know, we're baptizing every once in a while. Hey, you know, we haven't dropped off uh, too much in Sunday school. Hey, we're still seeing some people join the church. And praise God for that. I thank God for that. But my dear friend, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied that these waters are not stirred every single time we meet. I'm talking about on Sunday night. I'm I'm talking about on a Wednesday night. Oh, do you really expect something like that? I believe the Lord Jesus expects us to be doing that. And we've gone and gold and different. We really don't. Let's just go ahead. We're going to be honest. We're family here. We just don't give a flip. We really don't. Our guys that just came back from Honduras saw some pictures and we're going to arrange a time and they're going to give a, a report of what happened. And they talked about those who were getting saved. And they talked about pouring a concrete floor. You would have thought they had carpeted the thing. They had padded pews. I heard they were excited. I heard they, they walked a pretty good walk to come to church. And we can get in our car, be here in 10 minutes, and we lay out half the time. Why? Because we've gotten indifferent. We really don't think it's important for us. 
Well, my dear friend, there's one who thinks it's really important. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last time I checked, we weren't in this thing for us. We were in it because of what He's done for us. Because He saved my soul. And I was bound for hell, but now I'm bound for heaven. I haven't got over that. And some of us have gotten over that. We've gotten cold and indifferent to it. And we say, well, I got mine. They can get theirs just like I got mine. God help us when we have an attitude like that. So Joshua was concerned about the indifference. But notice in verse number 7, he was concerned about compromise. Compromise, which means you're lowering the standards. Now we're fixing to get into something that's going to upset some, and I'm not here to upset anybody. If the Holy Spirit upsets you, that's another thing. My intent is not to blister you. My intent is not to get you all hot and mad. My intent is that we need to be challenged and we need to recognize where we're at as a church. And so compromise. 1 John chapter number 2, verses 5 through 15 through 17 says this. Now this is, this is the word of the Lord, right? This is not Mike. Listen to what it says. He says, if... To us to love not the world. Isn't that what it says? Love not the world. But it goes on and it says, For if you love the world, and watch this, the love of the Father is not in you. Is that not what it says? Then he goes on and says that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... And pride is of the world. And then he goes on and says, that's not going to last. But being and doing the will of God is what is eternal. Now, what does it have to say about compromise? When we start to compromise the standards that God has set, not man... God has set some standards for us. And if we're not concerned and if our heart and our attitude is not, I want to meet those standards that God has set, then you've compromised and now you're loving the world. Now what do we mean by loving the world? Okay. This is where it's going to get a little touchy. Remember back many years ago, there was a movie that came out called Gone with the Wind. Y'all remember that? Now, Gone with the Wind, we all know the story behind that. That movie, when it came out, was a very controversial movie. Not because of any nudity or anything like that, but because of one word. The D word. Many of you are familiar with that. I heard you say it when you get at the light up here. (laughs) That one word caused controversy. That was the first time a curse word was used in a movie. Oh, everybody was up in arms about that. Oh, we blushed over that. Fast forward. If you can find a movie 
that has just that word in it is probably rated PG-13 now. Do you see where I'm going with this? Now watch. And so it used to it upset us. Oh, we shouldn't have language like that. Now, not all. I understand there are some good movies. I'm not saying banned movies. I'm not saying protest movies. There are some good movies. There are some Christian uh, films, and, and I'm not discounting that. What I'm trying to make a point here is, back some years ago, one curse word was used, but now it doesn't even bother us when every other word's a curse word. Cable TV. Remember the day when you, uh, when you were, uh, had the money uh, that you uh, had cable TV. Everybody else had free TV that was fuzzy and, you know, you had the antenna and you didn't get good. You had, the wind blew a certain way, you'd lose your station and all that. But if you had some money, you could get one of those half-acre satellite discs. I mean, you know, when they put the satellite did, it, it, it caused shade. It shaded your whole neighborhood. I mean, it was one of them big old suckers, I can't. And if you really wanted to find some racy movies, cable TV. We now have cable TV. The majority of people in the United States have access to it. Not everybody, I understand that. I'm not protesting TV. There are some good things on TV. I watch I-24 News. It's a news station comes out of Israel. I get a lot of information from them. I, I watch that and uh, gun smoke and you know and, and uh, you know though there there's some good things on there. What I'm saying is, flash for when it was only the cable TV. Now, not only language, but sexual. Not only cable but regular network television. Prime time TV shows. I heard, well, I'm not going to tell you what I heard. <laughs> I, I, I had to do a table, the double take. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it this way. SOB. Are you kidding me? This was on NBC prime time station I was flipping through. What am I saying? I'm saying, do you see the progression of compromising? Now, this is what's really going to rise. Athletics. Some of you already puckered up. Back when I was playing ball, and by the way, I have no problem with Athletics. I want my grandchildren to participate in sports. I think it's good and healthy for them. It, it, it helps. There's a lot of good things. I also understand we have some godly people that are in that profession. We have some members of our church uh, that are, are concerned about the spiritual well-being of their teams and all that. I'm not discounting that at all. So please understand my heart. I'm not saying, hey, let's just do away. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I remember when you would not dare think about scheduling a ball game on Wednesday or Sunday. Now, not to say they didn't want to do it, but the reason why they didn't do it is because of the resistance they knew that they were going to meet on it. Stay with me here. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to fuss. I'm not here to beat up on you this morning. 
I'm here out of a concern to where we're at as a church. We, we, they wouldn't think about doing it. And here's the reason why they have no problem with it. Because no longer are they afraid of the influence of the church. Why? Because we compromised. You can't tell me that everyone who said that they were a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and your child is on the team and there's other believers as well on that team, you can't tell me that if everyone said, hey, I want you to know we're not, we're not uh, mad at you, but my child is not going to play that Wednesday night ball game. My child is not going to play on a Sunday morning. I said, they don't schedule ball games on Sunday. Yes, they do. Travel ball, they do. If we stood up and said, my child's not coming, they would change. I'm, 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 I'm telling you, they would change. And the reason why they're not doing it, because they realize we have compromised some of our standards that we've set. Now, let's go on. Now, moving into our spiritual aspect, and even though that is still spiritual, you're not just spiritual when you show up on Sunday morning. We should, be, we should be a witness for the Lord Jesus every single day, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing. But it's now crept into the church. We now see, now understand my heart here. I, I have no problem with somebody getting up and preaching without a tie. I, I, I ain't going to fight that. But I wear a tie. Why is that? Because that was the standard that was set for me. This church, we expect it, wear a tie. Does that make you preach any better? Of course not. You can't preach without a tie? Of course we can. But the pastor, your leadership ought to be setting the high standard. So I guess you'd expect we would, oh, every one of us need to wear a tie. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is I'm trying to show you how we've compromised. And you say, well, that's kind of insignificant. I'm telling you, it starts out little and it gets larger and larger and larger. To where now you're going to have men who pastor large congregations that give you an option of who and how you want to follow. Am I not telling the truth? We've compromised the Word of God. We've bought into the fact that you've got to be a little more hip with this. And so what have we done? We've gone ahead and dressed down to where you can go to a church and you can go to a church very close by. You probably have blue jeans, got hose in them, probably old ragged T-shirt, maybe even flip-flops sitting on the stool. Now, Brother Mike, I, I knew you'd come to that. You're just old-fashioned. I know I'm old school, and I'm okay with being old school, but what I'm trying to show you is how we've lowered our standards. This is not my nose, but since I'm ticked you off already, I'll just go ahead and go full speed ahead. Many times, not every time, many times I'll wear a tie if I'm doing a hospital visitation. What are you doing that? Because people will show you respect. I'm telling you, they treat you different. When I come in with a tie, I was at Vanderbilt 
hospital. I went to go see somebody that I didn't know, never met the person. I'm, I'm standing, uh, somebody asked me to just go. He, he was, uh, had a terminal illness. They just asked, if you happen to be down there, would you go and see and, and just pray with them? I said, I'd be happy to. I wore a tie that day. I walked in there. And, uh, of course, when you go to Vanderbilt, you'll have 40 doctors in, uh, you know, in there in the room when they're l- looking over your case. And uh, so th- they were in there. So I'm out there in the hallway. Here comes a doctor. He was running a little bit late, and he's fixing to go into the room. He looks at me, and he says, I said, okay, okay. So I go in there, and they're discussing HIPAA. Oh, my, you're talking about violation of the HIPAA law? I knew everything about that man. And I'm over there, and I'm just like, well, do I need And I thought, well, I don't need to bow out now because they're going to think, why is he leaving? And then I also wanted to kind of hear what was going on too. But, uh, <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm not there. And so here comes this, another doctor comes in, a resident. He comes in, looks at me, and kind of nods, and I just nod at him, you know. <laughs> they all leave. I stayed behind. So the couple there, they never seen me before. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I introduced myself and I said, I'm sorry, but they asked me to come in with them and I, I hope you're not offended. And they said, oh, no, no, no. And I told them who, well, the connection and all that, had prayer with them. I said, what are you trying to, I'm trying to prove a point. Uh, they probably wouldn't have said, come on in if I was in a T-shirt and a pair of blue jeans. Right? I think it's a shame. I've talked to Brother Glenn about this. Some time ago, I think it's a shame that uh, hockey coaches and basketball coaches, for the most part, dress better than many of our pastors. Brother Mike, you're starting to be nitpicky. No, no, no. I'm telling you, you start compromising in the small things, you'll wind up compromising in the larger things. And so here, church, I'm just telling you, we should not compromise uh, what we believe in. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 22. I know I need to go quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says, I think this is a good word here. It says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Appearance of evil. Get away from it. You don't need to compromise. By the way, young ladies, while well, I'm on it, I'm on, I just got it in me today, I guess. Ladies, listen to me. Young ladies, don't you dare compromise your purity for anybody. Don't you dare do that. God will honor you staying pure till He sends you the mate that He intended for you to have. So you be true to your beliefs. You don't compromise. Young men... You don't need to be compromising on what you've learned here at this church. You don't need to compromising that you can take advantage of a young woman. You don't need to compromise what your parents have instilled in you. And I'm telling you, when you hit those college campuses, that's the first thing they'll go after. They'll want you to compromise this. Well, you can come to this party. Hey, you know what? Everybody has to go to party. Don't you want to have a good time? Oh, come on. You don't have to drink. You know, I know you don't drink. I know you're a goody, goody, goody. Oh, but you just come on like that. You get there, and what they're going to do, first thing, hey, here, here's your beer. Oh, I don't drink. No, oh, 
Oh, come on, everybody drink. I'm telling you, you don't compromise on the high standards that the Lord Jesus has set for you. Church, we do not need to compromise for the high standards our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has set for us. I don't care if they call us old school. I don't call if they call us old-fashioned. As long as we're sticking to the book, we're going to be in good shape. God will honor that. Very quickly, last point. Look at verse number 8. He was concerned about their commitment. He was concerned about their commitment. He was not commitment, uh, not talking about the commitment to the Lord. See, commitment's not our problem around here. It really is not. Because you will find we'll be committed to what we really want to do. You'll be committed to, uh, to going to this place or going here. Our problem is not commitment. Our problem is the object of our commitment. The last time I checked, we made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus takes it very seriously in Matthew chapter 10, verse number 28. 38, I'm sorry. Matthew 10, 38. This is what Jesus says. He says that if you, not have, if you have not uh, taken up your cross and to follow after me, this is Jesus, right? He says, if you're not willing to take up your cross and to follow after me, you're not worthy of me. He's saying commitment means cost. It's going to cost you something to be committed. We have some that are going on scholarships, uh, basketball, football scholarships, and uh, I, I, I thank God for that. And I know their parents are saying, oh, yeah, it means I don't have to pay as much. And, and I have no problems with that. But the reason why they've got those scholarships is because they were committed to that sport. They were committed to get up early in the morning, go on their, uh, their, their runs. They were committed to uh, do the two-a-days in the, uh, the heat of the, uh, of the summer. They were committed that they were going to uh, have to put some things to the side because they were committed to that sport. My dear friends, we need to understand as a church family, we made a commitment. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've accepted Him as your Lord, you made a commitment, and your commitment was was, whatever it costs me, Lord, I'm willing to follow after you. Jesus said, he said it this way. He says, if you're not committed to me, you're not worthy of me. Pretty plain. We're, we do, it's not commitment. It's what we're committed to. I came across this story. I'm closing. It was a youth group in Chicago. The youth leader was going to take his uh, youth uh, to a mission trip in Florida. So uh, they were, of course, getting ready for this mission trip, but he was a little worried about their commitment. Understand they're from Chicago and they're going to go to Florida. They were going to go and do some ministry on the beaches and, uh, and all of that. He, was a, uh, he just got a little concerned about their commitment. Are they going just because they're going to go and be able to go to the beach? Or are they really committed to going and being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, he went and got uh, a couple of two-by-fours. He nailed them together in the shape of a cross. Their youth meeting, he brings that homemade cross in. Of course, the kids are looking at him, and he says, okay, he said, uh, 
He said, uh, you see this cross? And they said, yeah. He said, uh, from now on out, everywhere we go, we're going to take this cross with us. So they said, oh, okay, yeah. So they're getting ready. They're getting on the bus. Here comes that cross. It's in the aisle. And uh, there, of course, is a pretty good uh, trip down there. When they would stop to eat, they took that cross into the restaurant with them. Everywhere they go, they took this cross. At first, the kids were, yeah, they, they didn't think it was too cool. But as time went on, they started uh, kind of understanding what they were going to go do. They understood their commitment. Their commitment was to the Lord Jesus Christ. That cross helped remind them what Jesus did for them. So they go, they're in Florida now. They go out to the beaches, they're taking that cross. Everywhere they went, they took that cross. At the last night, they're getting ready to go home. They had a special service. They talked about those that had gotten saved during their week and uh, all that. And then he said, you know, we've been carrying this cross everywhere we went. He said, uh, I know that when we get back home, oh, y'all not individually going to be taking the cross, but he says, I'm going to ask you to do this. And he took out some nails. He says, now what I want you to do as a remembrance of your commitment to the cross, he says, I want you to take one of these nails and nail it into the cross and I want you to keep the other nail with you as a constant reminder of the commitment that you've made. Fast forward 15 years later, he gets a call. He gets a call from one of the youth who's now grown to be a young man who is a very successful stockbroker. He gets on the phone and he says, Hey, I know we haven't kept in touch. And he, he said, uh, But I'm going to be in town. Uh, and I would like to meet with you for lunch. He says, now, I'm going to be in one of our other uh, offices. Uh, he said, will you just meet me in the office that I'm, I'm using for these couple weeks that I'm going to be in town? Youth pastor says, I'll be happy to. He gets up to his office. They start talking, reminiscing. Hey, how you doing? Talking about family. He said, you remember about 15 years ago when we went to that mission trip to Florida? He says, oh, yeah, I remember that. He takes, him out the, uh, takes the drawer, pulls it out, and he picks up the nail. He says, I still have that nail. And he said, I carry this nail everywhere I go because it constantly reminds me of the commitment that I made to the cross. My dear friends, we're not going to hand out nails today. and We're not asking you to go and build a a makeshift cross. But I am asking you, have you made that commitment in your heart today?